Greetings, Unstoppable Yes You podcast listeners. I'm your host, Carlos Phillip. In this series, I'm speaking with Caribbean women in the technology field across various disciplines to help those of you that are interested identify pathways to careers in tech. Today's guest is Melissa Daly. Melissa is an experienced creative product design engineer with over 20 years experience in the tech industry. She's also the founder of Orca Intelligence, an IT consulting and product design firm, and the creator of the Swiftly software. Melissa has worked as a consultant with several organizations, including Accenture, Booz Allen Hamilton, and the State of Georgia Department of Human Resources. This sister is doing her thing, and I'm going to let her tell you all about it. Welcome, Melissa. Thank you. Thank you for the introduction. So, Melissa, you are an entrepreneur, a product designer, a consultant. You wear so many hats. So take us briefly through a day in your life. A day in my life consists of waking up pretty early in the morning. I usually do a whole bunch of like interpersonal stuff before I really get started. And then I'll probably start working at around, depending on how early I get up, I'll probably start working around, I don't know, seven-ish somewhere around there, seven, eight-ish. But my day really consists of working on the projects that I'm actually consulted on and then also finding new opportunities or, you know, looking at proposals that I've written and getting responses from those. Also, you know, finishing up my development for Swiftly with my interns, so checking in on them, taking phone calls, thinking about strategy for the next quarter, and then, you know, working on multiple things at the same time time pretty much. It's a it's like a barrage of things. I feel like I wear the hat of developer sometimes. Sometimes I'm an architect sometimes. Sometimes I'm a, a IT support desk analyst or something. So that's really what my day consists of. It's a barrage of things because I have to respond to clients. I have to respond to my consultants and my interns. And you know I also have to be accountable to myself as well. Sounds like a pretty hectic day. It sounds like you also have it balanced. So tell me, what type of educational background do you have to help prepare you for taking on a role like yours? The main thing that has allowed me to take on this role, I think education has been significant. Don't get me wrong. I think if I did not go to the rural HU, yes, Hampton University, I probably would not have taken a lot of the routes that I've been able to experience. But I think I've supplemented my education with failing, literally failing constantly. You know, there's a reason why the product is named Swiftly is because I do things pretty fast. And when I do things fast, I get to fail. And that fail teaches me like how to do something differently. And so the reason why I've worn so many hats is because I've tried out so many things. Like I would test out software and break it. I would, you know, test out how to migrate a whole IT system and break it. I would test out how to build a website and break it. And so all of these different things that I've learned to do, I failed at it. There's no, you know, magical wand that says, you know, this is the path. It's really like, I honestly got up in the morning and was like, okay, well, what can I teach myself today? And I'll teach myself that. And if I learn something by failing at it, then that's a success for me. I don't want to use the word fail. I want to use the word learn, learn a different avenue to take <laughs> rather than fail. But I've learned so much that it supplemented my education. You know, my education was kind of like this baseline of, okay, here are the foundational things that you should know. Now 
go on child in the world and be successful. And to me, that meant like looking at certain things and constantly trying out something new. And every, every single day I try something new every day. There's not a day that goes by that I'm not trying. I would teach myself a new language. I would teach myself a new API, whatever it is. And I'm not even like a hardcore software developer. I'm just more so, like I said, a systems engineer, product designer. And I, I learn something new every day. You make a good point in terms of failure being your teacher, but it definitely takes the right mindset to see it that way, right? Because some people might fail and after failing multiple times, it's easy for them to just throw their hands in the air and give up. So I'm glad that your approach is what can I learn from those lessons? You mentioned that you're a system engineer by trade, but you've performed so many different roles. So you call yourself a creative product design engineer. So let's talk about creativity and product design a bit. Tell us about that. For me, you can't have a good product, whether it's software or hardware product or some type of tangible product without creativity. When you look at your home, there is some type of artistic approach to it. If you have a single family home, you have a pitched, most people have a pitched roof, and that takes some type of you know creativity and architectural ingenuity, right? So engineering cannot be done without creativity. So for me, on the projects that I've worked on, I've always had this creative streak that would happen. The way that I approach my my clients and the customers and everyone is I always draw something out. I have to draw it out first. I can't just sit in a room and just talk to people. So my method of doing things is drawing it out. And so basically, if someone says, oh, this is what I want, they'll tell me what they want and then I'll draw it out and then we'll basically talk about it together. Right. So that in software development is usually on the, you know, user experience designer side. So before user experience designer was a name, I was mostly designing as a business systems analyst or or a systems engineer to articulate what the customers wanted. So that's my creative side, right? Like drawing things out, make sure that the customers understood you know, from a visual perspective, what it is that they want. Then on the engineering side, it's really taking that drawing and uh, man- and manipulating it into other types of drawings or manipulating it into other types of systems documentation so that developers knew how to develop from it. Uh, and so that's where a lot of my, you know, analytical side of my brain starts to work where now I have to use, you know, my different types of like decomposing information so that it's granular enough for the developers to understand what to tell the system to do in order to take this drawing and put it into the user interface for an actual software to work properly. For me, I'm constantly using my left and my right brain. You know, I write with both hands basically. And so I honestly think that I have to put creativity into my work because it's it's always going to be there. And if I don't, as an engineer, it doesn't feel right. Those are all great points. Generally, when you think about a system engineer, you think about this technical person, but you don't think about it from a creative perspective. So thank you so much for that explanation. And you were able to take your system engineer background and parlay that into your own business. So what inspired you to start your own business? So many things. Really, my background, my culture. I feel like I come from just a massive 
amount of people that have been entrepreneurs. So, you know, my family's from Jamaica. So on my dad's side, there's tons of entrepreneurs. You know, my grandfather had his own business. Our great aunt had her own business and they all just came from this huge like ingenuity engineering family and growing up and I saw my father working and getting fired all the time (laughs) because he's a short black man in America. I knew that that was never the right path for him. He was always doing side things. So he ended up just kind of leaving the employment world and starting his own thing. And he basically was a carpenter by trade and also a gardener. And he went out and made a living for us for the most part. My mom worked too as well, but I just saw like the flexibility that my dad had and he just felt better in that space. And I had the polar opposites where my mom stayed in a job for a pretty long time and my dad didn't. And his spirit changed when it became his right? Like his, his whole demeanor, his whole outlook, just it changed. And he really wanted to be of service to his customers when he took ownership of that. And that's the, that's the environment that he grew up in. He never grew up in an environment where people were like his parents were employed by people. So he didn't understand, especially coming from another country, he didn't understand the whole dynamics of like this employer telling you, you know, what to do other than his dad than working for his father. Right. So I saw that And it made me proud. It like made me proud to have him as my father to see like how he just loved what he did and how he took pride in crafting something for people. Right. And it comes it comes back to the creativity and the ingenuity perspective that I have where I saw the creativity that my father would bring to his work. Like he made my first bed. I think when I got my own room, he made my first bed. We still have it in my parents' basement. This is my bed that my father created, right? To see this man create this and and have this opportunity, it just made me so proud. I was so happy to call him my dad. And so for me, that passion of his, the passion in me that I saw in him and building my own, but just in a different way, I feel like we were still in the same kind of realm where he was more of a tangible engineer and I'm more of a like a you know, intangible engineer with software, I shifted the characteristics of what I know I had in my upbringing. Why would I not start a business? I felt like it would be every day I would wake up and I'd be like, oh my God, I feel like, I feel like I am, I am not making my ancestors proud. I really need to start a business. And so that's when I decided to start a business again, because actually Orca Intelligence is my third business. Yes. Third business. As a woman-owned IT company, I'm sure you've encountered your share of challenges. Tell us about that. One of the things is always being underestimated. So for years, I, especially when I started out in corporate America, a lot of people did not know that. And and I wouldn't even say, I'm not going to put it on the people. I would say myself. I did not have the confidence to be a software developer. So wanting to get the validation externally from my peers and my peers were not, they did not look like me. Right. But I wanted that validation from them to say, you know, oh, you're, you know, you belong here. When I was in corporate America, I never felt like that because the male dominated environment that I'm in 
it just didn't feel comfortable. It was this bro culture that I was always in. I would be on projects and I would literally be around white males that would make me feel like, you know, I just didn't belong. It's not like they would say it or do things, you know, overtly. They were like these subtleties that I personally uh, was not comfortable in. And it's not like I don't have the experience of being around all types of cultures. I mean, I grew up in Maryland, in Montgomery County, Maryland. That is one of the most diverse places in the United States, right? But being in that environment, in this bro culture environment, made it different because you're at work and you have to make money for a living. And I've experienced certain things like even recently, within the last, I guess, year and a half, where someone told me that my project, my Swiftly project was a homework assignment. I've been in IT for by that time, 20, 22 years, 21 years, whatever. This man that used to be a mortgage lender, shout out to the mortgage lenders, not disrespecting, not at all. I, there's no way if I know that someone has been in the industry for that long that I'm going to say something like that. So how did you handle that? I basically escalated it to his superiors or whomever who did not do anything about it. It got a little tense. And so that was actually a a decision I had to make for myself in terms of, do I need to still consult for these people or do I need to not? And so I made a decision to not consult for them. Right. Cause those are, and I've had to make many decisions about like that because I felt that my work wasn't being respected. Although a lot of people would comment and say my work was great. You know, it's incredible when you hear these stories. My hope is that those in corporate America can really step back and um, look inward to see what they can do from a corporate culture perspective. You sound very passionate about what you do. So what do you enjoy most about your work? I would have to say the the thinking and the creativity going together. Um, and um, yeah, that's really it. Like I'm doing math every day. Math is one of my favorite subjects, but it's also being able to build. I love to build things. So being able to build, whether it's tangible or not tangible, but being able to actually like work on seeing something in its conception and then have it evolve in its its actual form. I think that's a beautiful thing. I feel like it's it's producing some form of life. So I am engrossed in it all day. I, sometimes I don't know that I'm working 12 hours. Like I just, I just like I'm like, "Oh, shoot." Like, you know, don't get me wrong, I eat and I sleep, you know, and I enjoy my life, but I really do look at my career as an opportunity to have fun. Like I have fun every day. And if I can't have fun, I am literally getting rid of the project. I hear that. Yeah. That's where I am in my life and in my career right now, where I'm like, if I'm not having fun, then I feel like I'm doing, I'm not doing myself a service. I'm not doing God service. I'm not doing my family any service. If I'm waking up miserable every day, but the mere fact that I wake up and I'm like, yes, let's get this done. Um, it's because I like the creativity and the thinking process that I go through. So what do you believe it takes to be successful in in your role? And when I say your role, I mean, your role is so diverse. So tell us what it takes to be successful in doing all of these things. It's just focus, like have goals, like I have monthly goals and I make sure that my daily tasks relate to my monthly goals and then I stay focused. I block out all the noise. So whether that noise be too much television or too much news or too much hanging out or too much spending money or too much bad eating, I just block all that out and I focus. 
So you also founded a nonprofit called It Gets Better. It's like a play on to IT Gets Better. So what was the catalyst for you starting that organization? So that was an organization that I had founded in 2007. And the catalyst was I knew that there needed to be a way for people, mostly young people, to learn about various industry professions. So the curriculum that I built was around uh, hardware, software, networking, cybersecurity, social media, and web applications. And so I would just, the idea was basically to educate youth on those different areas so that they would be more more prepared for the industry. And then also as the youth were getting prepared, they would work on youth development organization projects. So I worked with organizations like I Am Beautiful, which I'm still involved with them to some some degree. Um, there was another one called Step Ac- Academics. That was an after school program. And so I, we would basically work on, you know, educating their students on computers and how to safeguard themselves with different best practices. And we took computers apart and all this stuff. But the idea was mainly to focus on making sure that our youth were prepared for the industry. What professional advice would you give your younger self if you had to step back and reflect? Ignore the unnecessary male advancement. (laughs) Oh, wow. Do share. Because a lot of that becomes noise, right? So the, the male advancements that I would get like in my younger days, oh my gosh, I wish I ignored all of that and just waited and just had been like friends with a lot of my suitors, right? Like, because I would have been more focused. Like, I feel like I'm still late in the game with my business. Like most people would have thought that, oh, Melissa's focused back then. That's what they told me. I feel like if I had waited and focused more, I wasn't as focused as I am now. And so I feel like if I could tell my younger self anything, I would have said, wait and ignore the suitors. So it's interesting that you say that what, you know, when other people looked at you back then, um, they thought of you as being focused, but you didn't see yourself as being focused. So do you think sometimes we tend to be probably a little bit too hard on ourselves or overcritical of ourselves? I think so. I think so. But I think a part of it too is like really listening to, like I'm a firm believer in my spiritual connection with God. And I felt like back then I heard it. I knew it. I knew what I was supposed to be doing, but I decided not to. Melissa, what advice would you give to other Afro-Caribbean women who wanted to get into tech and maybe more specifically in a system engineer type role? Oh, I would say you already have it. Like you're already qualified for the role. And the reason why I say that is because I know with my background and skill sets, I didn't know how qualified I was for the role until I really, really started to dig my nails deep into it. And I started to bring in all the characteristics that I was raised in, right? So that's the the agile approach to life, (laughs) right? So that's one thing. But, and so we are, we have it. So don't think that you don't. The whole point is to use your transferable skills 
and shift it to technology. So like with my father, like his skill sets, I basically was raised on those, right? And my mother's skill sets with, you know, mathematical genius, taking those skill sets and I shifted from construction and carpentry to just, you know, technology. That's all I did. It's this, we do the same, the same exact thing that people do in construction and and carpentry. Same thing you do in engineering. It's the same traits. And that's all I did. Well, thank you. Um, so I have a softball question for you, Miss Jamaica. If you had to choose between two Jamaican dishes, pepper pot soup or escovitch fish, which one would you choose? Oh, escovitch fish. Really? <laughs> Oh, don't get me wrong. I love me some fried fish, but mm, pepper pot soup. Mm. <laughs> I love my soups, though. There is nothing like a good Jamaican soup. I don't eat soup or drink soup from the cans. I always have a homemade soup. 100%. I am with you with that. So, Melissa, thank you so much for taking the time to share your story with us. Thank you so much for inviting me. I appreciate it. Hey, Unstoppable Yes You listeners, thank you for your time. I hope you found this information valuable. If you haven't already done so, don't forget to subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or Red Circle to get new episodes as they drop each week. Also, we have a lot more content for you on unstoppableyesu.com to check out our profile articles on Caribbean achievements and excellence.